So how are your financial results this quarter, John? <laughs> Actually, I don't even know. Uh, not... <laughs> you have shareholders demanding that you do a quarterly conference call? Uh, well, I, I've got my wife. <laughs> uh but yeah, Apple's results are in today, right? Is that today? It seems it was yeah, like everyone, four hours ago. <laughs> and yeah, so feels- Apple and Amazon were, yeah, this will be released on a Friday, but Apple and Amazon right. were on Thursday. Yeah. And then Facebook was on Wednesday and Google or Microsoft was also on Wednesday. And then Google was yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah. And I think the long and short of it is like everyone's crushing it. <laughs> yeah. Or the, all the all the big guys are crushing it. Some of the smaller ones like Twitter. And I think why Twitter is necessarily maybe not is interesting. The big picture takeaway from all of this, from Apple or from any of them, is it is good to be big right now, and it's gonna it's setting it up to like this whole crisis is making the the strong stronger. Yeah, and I I don't think that that's a surprise. Maybe it was a month ago when this was all so new, and I feel like uh, or like at March, you know, April was sort of where the quarantine, the great worldwide quarantine, became the new normal. You know, and I'm not trying to say it's normal normal but you know the world settled in you know the s&p 500 gained in in april because it dipped so far in march right it was like the panic was over and people are sort of figuring out where this is going and one of them is that yeah the big five are getting bigger and it's interesting too because it's in such different ways because they're so different in so many ways yeah, that's uh, that's something that I think is actually very interesting because they all have different business models by and large. And so you would think going into it, uh, I've been paying a lot of attention to Google and Facebook because you would think, oh, well, they're advertising based. Traditionally speaking, advertising is hurt in a recession, which I think is pretty clear that we're going to be in. And so there's probably more skepticism around them. But th- they were the ones that arguably I think that they've jumped the most as far as the, right. the stock price goes this week, in part because, yes, they were down. Actually, none, they weren't down. <laughs> they were all up. They were up less than expected and forecasted You know, some weakness going forward. But it's really, really interesting because you, we take these big picture categories, right? And and it's always been the case that advertising goes down in a recession, right? Yep. But advertising for a long time, the dominant form of advertising was this sort of like brand advertising where, you know, you, you advertise your car company or you advertise your deodorant brand or whatever it might be. And you're advertising knowing that you're not getting the consumer to necessarily buy it that moment. But down the road, when they're standing in the grocery store deciding which deodorant to pick, they're going to choose your deodorant for reasons they're not quite sure about, but it was because of all the advertising sort of built up over time. Or they're going to favor your car company or whatever it might be. And so all this advertising is done sort of ahead of the purchase. And that's the advertising that goes away during a recession because if people aren't buying, the, the the whole point of doing that advertising was to pay off in the future. Well, that means you can pull it back when 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 you like you do, you do some belt tightening. You've already made investments that are are gonna help people make buying decisions in the future, but but you can stop you can stop for a little bit. And that's why, you know, industries that rely on advertising are usually hurt in a recession. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I can see it firsthand. I mean, Daring Fireball is an advertising-based business. And, uh, you know, knock on wood so far, it's not evaporated, but it's definitely definitely visible from my perspective. It's interesting for me personally, just as a personal aside, because the previous recession in 2008 to 2009 coincided with the, for lack of a better catch-all phrase, the go-go years of 
the iPhone and the App Store. And as somebody writing in an Apple-centric media landscape, I, no, I wouldn't say I sailed through it, but it it wasn't as visible as it, it wasn't really visible as a decline. I think what it was was that it was a much smaller bump than it would have been if the iPhone had debuted not in the midst of an absolutely terrible recession. Yeah, and that applied to Apple too. Like Apple right. grew straight through the recession because the iPhone was you know just getting started, and it was right. it was pure upside. There's actually, actually that's a very interesting point. The the what, one thing that happened during that that time period, as, as an aside, an aside on top of your aside, was that Apple's financial results became extremely predictable. Where they mm. would say next quarter we're going to make we're going to make X Y Z money, and they would come out and they made almost the, that exact amount, and and it happened for like many quarters in a row. They were always exact. And what turned out in retrospect, it wasn't that Apple were these super forecasters that understand the world to this unbelievable degree that no other company seemed to be able to do. It's that Apple knew exactly how much capacity they had, and they had all these guaranteed – like one thing that people don't understand is when Apple would roll out in a new country with a new carrier yeah. or a new carrier would come online, they would have sales guarantees where they'd say you have to sell X number of devices. Well, it turns out if your channel partners have sales guarantees and you know like how much capacity you have to build in a quarter, you can basically model out exactly how much money you're going to sell because the constraint is is not customer demand. The constraint is how many your channel can sell and how many you can make. And so that makes it super predictable. And then later on, once Apple was everywhere and there was they didn't have the you know all the carriers already carried it and it was wherever it might be, suddenly their predictions got way less accurate. And it's not because Apple got worse at what they did, it's because the constraints that were controlling the results were gone. And now what actually mattered was consumer demand and consumer demand is is a lot more difficult to measure particularly on a quarter to quarter basis right and it's just more fickle that's right and, and like a recession can knock it down a little bit it's right. like oh it's okay it will come back but you're going to have more sort of uncertainty along the way and the reason i mentioned this is this quarter someone i just saw a tweet passing by uh, right before we started recording which was that apple did not give a forecast for the fall, next quarter right. which most of the companies did not but amazon right. did Amazon said, oh, we're going to sell this much you know, this much money. It's like, oh, well, that's a much more confident company. It's like, no, it's not a much more confident company. It's a company that is has so much demand right now that the limiting factor on Amazon sales is capacity. Right. But they know how much capacity they have. They know how much capacity they can build out over the next three months, which means their number is dictated not by consumer demand, but it's dictated by how much Amazon can supply. And given that, they can – they have the freedom to make a prediction because the high-end demand, which is totally variable, no one knows for sure what's going to happen, but Amazon knows it's going to be sufficient to take care of all their capacity. It is funny, and it feels so long ago. I mean, like crazy long ago that I was listening to you tell me what a mistake it was on Apple's part to take China at its word on this growing coronavirus crisis, you know, and when they had to issue a, a, a restatement of their estimate, I, I guess for this quarter, right? The results that they just announced today, that was when they, that was the, this, these are the results that they had to rejigger their forecast for. That, that feels so long ago. I can't, I, even while I'm making the point that, that it feels like more. It feels like it was a few years ago. ago. It feels like ancient history. It feels like it was back with the 2008 recession. It feels so long ago. It really um, does. So yeah, it's, I think it's no surprise that Apple didn't want to forecast for the next quarter. 
Right, and justifiably so, because like they, they still are 50% iPhone, which is really low, but that's a huge portion. And an iPhone purchase is easily delayed, right? Yep. It's like, well, yep. I, I don't have a job right now, so I my phone is good enough. I already have a phone. It's not like back in 2008, 2009, right. when it, it was such a leap forward that even if people were going to get this new phone, be, and Apple had such, you know, they'd only penetrated a small part of the market, which meant even if there's 10% unemployment, the other 90% of the market is still does not have smartphones. Well, today, everyone has smartphones, which means they are, you know, if a lot of the market is unemployed and the unemployment figures are way higher than they were before, that is that much like those people are going to put off purchases. And how many are going to put off for how long? Impossible to know. And it's totally reasonable for Apple to not say that, particularly, you know, an iPhone is a high end product. It's something you don't necessarily have to replace. Whereas if you're Amazon and you're delivering, you know, toilet paper, uh, <laughs> whatever it's in stock, like that is going to be bought regardless. And you know it. And the only question is, how much can you stock and how much can you actually get out the door? Yeah. So, but I want to finish this advertising point, which is right. I, I didn't fully appreciate it, honestly until this week. Which is your the problem on your end for advertising is if someone if an advertiser goes away, it it's a lot of friction and work for you to get another advertiser to take their place. But for Google and Facebook, because their advertising is totally automated and it's all auction based, what happens is when these brand advertisers go away, there are direct response advertisers which. Hmm automatically fill the gap because they don't buy, they don't go up to, to Facebook and say, I want to buy 1000 ads. They say, I have, this is my budget and this is the max amount I'm willing to pay like per app install or per whatever it might be, which means if, if there is more capacity in the system, they just buy more ads for the same price. It's all totally automated. And so what happens is when these brand advertisers go away from Google and Facebook, the slack is immediately filled up by these, by these other folks. And if you think about a direct response advertiser, they're selling like digital goods, in-app purchases, games, or they're doing e-commerce. Like they can't stop selling, right? They, they are going to sell through it and they have to advertise because advertising is how they get business. And so they're going to keep pushing through a recession and they're actually almost benefiting because they have less competition for, for ad space on Facebook. So they're getting a better price on their ads. Well, guess what? They're getting a better price on their ads. Suddenly more people are going to compete to come in to get those that because the ads are cheaper now and that's going to drive the price back up. So because they're so frictionless, like the, the, it bounces back way more rapidly and is way more consistent than the old school brand advertising, sell something, you know, have salesmen getting an ad, get it, get it on the TV, et cetera, et cetera, ever was. It's almost, it's like a different business completely. Apple didn't take too big of a hit on, I mean, the services stuff is a good story and they, you know, I, they obviously didn't time this services narrative in anticipation of this black swan event of the uh, pandemic, but it's worked out well for them where it's a clear sign of growth. It's real numbers, m meaningful numbers. Like at this point, Apple's services, the thing that caught my eye is it was up to 23% of their total revenue and that iPhone was it fell to exactly 50%. And again, part of that is that iPhone was down and it probably wouldn't have been down anywhere near quite. It was only down 7% year over year. Wouldn't have been down so much if it weren't for, you know, all of this. Um, but that's real. I mean, services being 23% is is real. And it's not cyclical quarterly like Apple's other stuff where they get loaded up in the fourth quarter from all the holiday gift purchases, etc. It just grows and grows and grows because it's uh, stuff like people buying in-app purchases and a lot of subscription-based stuff, which just stays. Once you get a subscriber, they, you know, if they're happy subscribers, 
it just grows. Well, not just that, but if everyone's locked at home with nothing better to do, yeah. it actually is a growth market. Right. Like, because they're going to play more games. They're going right. to watch more video. They're going to. So, all the sorts of things that drive against new iPhone purchases actually drive for services. So, right. in, in this way, it's, it's, it's more akin to. Uh, to to the other tech companies which have this sustainable revenue and again right. it's not just that it's sustainable you know in a recession it's that the the conditions of this particular recession actually help to grow it so the, they're actually getting bigger and the part that's getting bigger is the most resilient part of the business and it's, it's another way where all these folks mm-hmm. are getting stronger because they're they're shifting to the most resilient parts of their businesses, which means the next recession in five or six years from now, they're going to be even better placed than they are today. Yeah. And that, that brings me, I, I read a little bit about Amazon and AWS is just killing it and is really a big part of where Amazon is actually making a profit, which is sort of unusual historically for Amazon. And it's just so, you know, you don't really have to be an expert on cloud infrastructure to get that it's just an enormous amount of money to even be a player in that game. You know, like I think it was something like $10 billion in revenue for AWS, but $7 billion in costs. So that's good profit margin that they made $3 billion, give or take. But still, $7 billion to run it is a lot of money for three months. (laughs) And then that gives us Microsoft, who's also in that space. That's right. It's basically Amazon and Microsoft. Like, and there's no one else. I mean, Google is trying to get in, but they're, you know, if you want to include them as a three, no one else, no one else is going to ever enter that space. It's like, it's the, the cost to build it is so huge. And also, it's another great example. Right now, businesses are dealing with highly variable demand. Some businesses, their demand for their services skyrocketing because all these employees are work from home. Some businesses, it's plummeting because whatever they offer or sell is not being used. It is like the best advertisement ever to rely on a third-party cloud service that builds a baseline of infrastructure and you can rent it and that rental can go up or down as your needs adjust. So again, it it fits this whole narrative where what they're building is being proven out and is becoming more valuable because of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, just if you you know run some sort of service that that involves cloud based collaboration for working from home, you're probably experiencing a, a wonderful spike. And if your back end is based on you know like AWS or something along those lines, where you can just click some boxes and double your capacity, that's a hell of a lot better than having rolled your own where. <laughs> You know, you're scrambling or, or the flip up. side. If you did roll your own right. and suddenly no one's using it right. and you're paying right. for all this capacity that, that right. no one's using, that's just as bad. Right. And you can't just unclick some boxes to 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 downsize it. <laughs> 